0: How do companies create a culture and core values that employees actually live out? The team at The Receptionist, a Denver-based software company, sets out to answer that very question. Welcome to The Fabric. Here's your host, Michael Ashford. In-person events and conferences are back in a big way, but with some interesting adaptations. In this episode, I chat with Patrick Cassell, the founder and creator of All Things Private Practice, which is a coaching and consulting business he grew out of his own private therapy practice to help other practitioners start their own businesses. Patrick has taken a unique approach to in-person events with his business, with some incredible results, and he offers a behind-the-scenes look at all of it in this conversation. You're one of those people that uh, I felt like you had already been on the show for as much as you and I interact offline, but I felt like you were were already a guest, but come to find, man, this is your first time to the show. So welcome to The Fabric. Great to have you on, man. Thanks, Michael.
1: Yeah, it's been great just getting to know you over the last year and, and just staying in touch and becoming friends. And I think that makes these
0: conversations a lot easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm I'm really excited about what you and I are going to be talking about today because you've grown your business through a pretty unique strategy through events, but not the traditional like putting on a large conference or, or even going to large conferences. So I want to get into that and see if there's maybe something that uh, our listeners can take away and how to grow their own businesses. So first off, let's just kind of set the table here. You're a former private practice owner. Am I I correct in that? That has made the jump into some entrepreneurship in a different way. Kind of describe your journey up to this point and set the stage. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, I hate doing introductions, but I will set the stage. (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Patrick Cassell. I own all things private practice and resilient mind counseling. So I'm no longer a private practice therapist, but I do own a group practice here in Asheville, North Carolina. We have, we just brought on two new therapists. We have 17 therapists right now and two med managers and an office manager here in Western Carolina. But I am no longer practicing. Um, I'd made the jump into private practice coaching, consulting, entrepreneurial coaching back in 2020 uh, uh, when COVID was kind of raging at first because I think it was just my ADHD taking over of being in the house so often and having so much like pent up energy and creativity. And I just started realizing like I'm already meeting with um therapists for coffee and for lunch in Asheville for free and helping them create and start and build their businesses. And everyone would say, You should probably do this for a living. Like you're really good at this. But my imposter syndrome would kick in and I would say, No, no, that's I'm not an expert at this. Like I'm just offering what worked for me. And someone else already has a very large business in Asheville who does the same thing. So why would you not hire them? And I prevented myself from
0: um from creating this business for a very long time. So what then changed your mind and got you to start all things private practice, which full disclosure, over the last year, the receptionist for iPad and, and our team, we've been working with you as a sponsor of your show and, and your, your business there. But yeah, what, what ultimately kicked that imposter syndrome to the side a little bit and said, okay, I'm gonna dive into this?
1: Yeah, I can remember exactly where I was when this happened. I was meeting with my grad school mentor, and she and I were having lunch. And I was kind of telling her about how I wanted to start a private practice coaching and consulting business. And I wanted to really help people launch and and do these small like six-week, six-person courses and, and just go over all the logistics, the marketing, the imposter syndrome strategies, the content creation, um, rate-setting conversations. I really like to focus on the emotional and psychological side of being an entrepreneur, not really the logistics because anybody can sell, tell you how to get an MPI and an EIN and start a business name. Like that's that stuff is not fun, but it's necessary. Um, and I remember saying like, and she was like, yeah, this is a great idea. I think you'd be fantastic at it. I see you doing it already all over the city and you're so good at relationship forming. And immediately my reaction was, but, and I've said this publicly before, so this <laughs> is not like secret information. Allison per year and abundance practice building are here. And she has a massive audience. And my colleague was like, yeah, but you have very different voices and people are going to be attracted to you for different reasons. People are going to be attracted to her for different reasons. And I think that was the light bulb moment that I needed where it was like, oh yeah, I'm not creating something new. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I just have to put my unique spin on it and my voice to it. And that just really has help me shape and form everything I've done since that time is leading with being authentic, being vulnerable, being real, and talking about the, the struggle areas of being a private practice and entrepreneur owner as well. Because I think that doesn't get talked about enough. And I, I never want to just sugarcoat things and say, oh man, the private practice journey is remarkably easy and it's just feet up on the sand. But it's like, no, but it it's challenging, but it is so
0: unbelievably rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick, I'm uh, I'm curious something you just said there, you know, any, anybody can teach you the tactics of how to start a business and get all that stuff in line. There's probably some checklist out there. But you yeah. said you were more interested in the emotional and and kind of the 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 human side of things, which being a therapist, that's not that that's not <laughs> surprising to hear you say that. Right. But what is interesting to me, and perhaps I think can relate to a lot of people, no matter in what business they're in or what they're trying to do, is what are those emotional hangups that we can get into that we can we can tell ourselves? You mentioned imposter syndrome, but what are those emotional hangups that even even someone who has practiced in therapy has to deal with and struggle with?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a combination. You know, I'm, imposter syndrome is huge, but I think self doubt and insecurity. Um, falling into comparison traps, and paralyzing perfectionism. These things all come up when you're trying to do something new or you're stepping out of your comfort zone. And that doesn't matter if it's a private practice therapist, someone starting a law firm, someone starting a podcast. Like when we are putting so much of ourselves into something and the payoff is going to be validation or affirmation in some way, and people are going to hear you or see what you've created potentially criticize it. I think there is a deep level of insecurity that surfaces because I think so much of ourselves are put into our creations that I think that it's really um, a delicate balance to not allow for that to completely paralyze you from moving forward, but allow you to just notice it. Like I used to have imposter syndrome to the point where I wouldn't be able to start things because I would have to go over like, this has to be perfect. I have to be an expert at this thing. I have to know everything about it before I can launch it. And I realize, like this stuff, this self-doubt, this insecurity, this imposter syndrome, this perfectionism is really important. Like it should, it should exist when you do something new, when you're doing something scary, when you're doing something unfamiliar. But what it should not do is prevent you from taking a step forward and moving towards your goals.
0: I think that's relevant even with people who are not entrepreneurs just in their role for instance as a salesperson you you're really out there right you're you're really in front of people you're putting people are buying you as much as they're buying what you're selling and I think that is for anybody kind of putting themselves out there in the public space it sounds like yeah there's so
1: much vulnerability in like in trying and being rejected so you're mentioning sales and you have to have thick skin to be in sales because you're going to get a lot of no's, right? Like you're going to pitch yourself. You're going to pitch your product. Sometimes it's going to fall on deaf ears. Sometimes people are just going to be like, I'm just not interested in this. And the ability to continuously pick yourself back up and say, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. There's a resilience in that. But there is a vulnerability in terms of feeling like you're being rejected, whether you feel like it's personal, whether you feel like you're just not competent enough whether you feel like you're not adi- inadequate in terms of levels of preparation or or knowledge or understanding. But I think that the fear of rejection and failure really does prevent not just entrepreneurs, but people from moving
0: forward in so many different ways. So Patrick, you've been doing this for a, a while now. Does it ever go away or does it shift? Mm-hmm. Does, it, does it morph into something that you can use to your advantage? That's kind of what I'm hearing from you, but you tell me.
1: Yeah, I I certainly believe that it does not go away. I think that I like to look at it instead of driving the car and making the decisions for you. It's in the back seat, like maybe it's like a toddler in a (laughs) uh, car seat, and it's like crying or screaming or yelling. But sometimes you have to zone it out, or sometimes you have to just know like this isn't me. Like something else is happening here, and I think that allows you to. Kind of remain humble in some ways when you're trying to do something new, but it also allows you when you start to make these decisions, when you start to work through these feelings, these emotions, these struggles, and you recognize like, okay, I've done this before. I've, I know I know these feelings, like they've come up when I tried to start my private practice. Now when I'm venturing into coaching, I'm noticing them coming up again. Okay, now when I want to start a podcast, I notice they come up again when I want to launch a retreat. And the more you notice them, but the more you can revert back to an example of, okay, I've been here before and it was okay. Even if you tried and it didn't work out, the world still continues to spin. So in reality, it's like, what are we really so afraid of?
0: So you mentioned in there starting retreats, starting those in-person events. And that's that's really what I want to dive in with you here. When did you build that audience or when did you feel that pull, I guess, to to take your business to take the the all things private practice kind of brand and shift it away from the online digital space, which obviously, you know, the the world of COVID was kind of necessitating it to be digital, at least at first, I'm assuming. When did you feel the pull that, hey, I want to start seeing if I can get people to actually show up to a specific time, to a specific place and, and meet there? When did events start coming into your, your world? So- before I started
1: all things private practice, I wanted to start a business called Empowered Escape, which was a travel coaching business. And I wanted to launch it right as COVID was happening. So it was really good timing. <laughs> um, Wonderful. And my, my goal was to help helpers step away and to actually experience life and to put the phone down, put the email down, um, experience culture, step out of your comfort zone. And obviously I had to pivot as so many people had to pivot in that time. And that's why I started doing private practice coaching. Um, but the, that that growing desire was always there. And I've got a wanderlust mentality. Like mm. there is a part of me that absolutely loves traveling and wishes I could do it all the time. And then there's like the logical part of me that's like, this is exhausting. And every time you go away, you <laughs> want to come home. So there's a balancing act. Yeah. But um, I just knew that for me, traveling has been so crucial in my life. And it's just, it's so utterly important to experience new cultures and step out of your comfort zone. And like traveling is messy. Things go awry, things don't go as planned, but there's something so spectacular about seeing plans come together and getting yourself to a foreign country or navigating a different language or just doing something that you wouldn't typically do in your day to day. And I had grown my audience through all things private practice, doing coaching and, and podcasting and, and speaking and some other stuff um, in, the, in the meantime, but call it, you know, wanderlust. Maybe it's my ADHD. I don't know. But I was getting kind of bored of continuously doing private practice startup. I needed something different. And one day I just decided to put out on my personal Facebook page, which seems to be the, uh, the trend with everything I've done here. If I hosted a retreat in Ireland, who would come? And there were like 50 people who were like, yeah, sign me up. You don't even have to tell me when. And I was like, oh, now I have to make this a reality. Oh, dang. So <laughs> I felt that like that pressure of, okay, you have to find a venue. You have to figure out like what you want this to look like. What are you going to charge? How many people do you want this to be? I'm an introvert. So like more than 20 people is really overwhelming. I, I, I had to find a venue that made sense for my nervous system. And I ended up booking a venue sight unseen uh, booking the catering, the tours, the music, the transportation, everything without ever stepping foot in that part of Ireland and creating the sales page and selling it out in a week. And that was in wow. March of 2022. And then all of the video marketing and f- natural organic social media content from all of the attendees that year really helped propel me into a a, a completely different uh, arena where I don't think I ever expected to be, I don't think I ever expected for retreats and summits to become the main portion of my business. Yeah. But I love it because it's so re it, it's just so positively transformative, transformational to see people like this year in Ireland, we had 25 people. It was a little too many for me. Um, <laughs> so many of these people had never left the country. And they came by themselves oh, wow. and they were just like, I just follow you on social media. I'm in your Facebook group. You've never met me. I wanted to come. And I was like, this is unbelievably like humbling. So much gratitude around that. But to see someone step out of their comfort zone that, to that extreme level, the amount of transformation, not just professionally, but personally, the development that happens when you start to do things like that for yourself, it translates into business success Because one, you've spent a lot of money to come on this event. You've traveled internationally. You're maybe going to a place where you don't know anyone who's attending. And then you drop in and we create a a very intimate like incubator-like experience. And we really try to focus on experience and quality over quantity. That's always my goal. And I've done eight now in the last year, which feels... I don't know. It feels insane. Um, (laughs) And it's just been amazing every single time to to constantly reignite that spark that I honestly was searching for.
0: So Patrick, you mentioned earlier, you know, imposter syndrome can, can keep us from even starting the thing that we want to do. I'm just curious, have you given much thought to what you would have done had you put that message out there on your Facebook page and no one said, yeah, I'm in, or, or, you know, maybe you got one or two people, which obviously isn't probably enough for, to host a (laughs) retreat in Ireland. (laughs) Have you thought what that would have done or what your next move would have been?
1: Yeah, I think the, you know, a key for entrepreneurs is pivoting and adapting. And I think I would have done more market research at that time. I do think it would have probably derailed my excitement if, you know, there weren't so many people. But the imposter syndrome really kicked in when it was like so many people. But then you secure the venue and put the sales page up, and then the imposter syndrome is like, okay, so many people were like, yes, but are they going to actually sign up and come? Yeah, and that that feeling is the that's the horrifying <laughs> feeling. <laughs> um, it, but 2022's marketing just organically, I sold out 2023 in less than one day, and I think. That speaks for itself, but I I really do think that if if the response wasn't so positive, I probably would have um taken longer to do it. I think I always would have tried to do it, but I also I want to be really transparent that I also had the ability to take more risk because of the success that my coaching practices had. Mm -hmm. It's allowed me to take more risks than someone who doesn't have an audience, who doesn't have that financial success yet, because it is really scary to invest in a venue and pay for tour guides and catering and all the things that you have to put money and deposits down for if you don't have an audience built up. And that's something that I do see a lot of people struggle with who come to some of my events because I run a retreat planners blueprint retreat. I hate that name. Got to figure out a better one. <laughs> uh, but if you don't have an audience, it's, it is very challenging to
0: market a big ticket item. All things private practice is what two years old now? Yeah, about two and a half. About two and a half years old. In that amount of time, you've you've done that. You've built that audience. You've created this this kind of experiential retreat style business model. That is now, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned the majority of, of how your, your business is, is making its money now. How did you go about building that audience? I mean, I think anybody in any business myself, like my, my, I think about building our audience here at the receptionist all day, every day. Like that is, that is where my mind is. How did you do it? What did, what were the steps that you took to build the audience for what you were trying to put together?
1: Such a good question. I, I am and I have some obsessive tendencies of like the, there's a relentless like tenacity not to fail. And I noticed very early on that so much of this work is built on relational, uh, relation and connection. Yeah. And my Facebook group has really been a big uh, catalyst for a lot of this. And, and, you know, just like any other Facebook group started small, 30 people becomes a hundred, becomes 10,000. And the thing about my Facebook group is that I'm engaged in it. I try really hard to foster an environment where people feel safe, but they feel like they can talk about things that are um, that are challenging or vulnerable to them or scary. And I we create a lot of dialogue and discussion. And that's always been my approach to everything is just to create dialogue and discussion and to be curious. And it allows for people to kind of let their guards down. It's also been a lot of like putting out consistent content for the last couple of years and just being really like right now, just so you know, we have enough podcast episodes for all things private practice to make it through 2023. And yeah, I, I think it's important to, you know, this as well as, as anyone that does any sort of marketing, like consistency is key and yeah, the ability to show up consistently and to, um, to show up authentically. And I've never strayed from who I am. So I think like sample size of day one till now would would show you the same human being despite any sort of financial success or any shift in lifestyle like I always want to show up and be supportive I always want to show up and and challenge people to get the best out of them and I often speak my mind I think people appreciate that and I'm sure some people don't but you're going (laughs) to attract and repel when you're starting to really um, embrace your own
0: authentic personality too yeah well, and you've been gracious enough to, to invite me into that Facebook group, and I uh, I can vouch for everything you just said. It, it is a very welcoming community. It is a very collaborative community. Y'all talk about the 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 intricacies of what it is to do the work that you all do. So as we begin to wrap things up, what then is it like to put a down payment on renting an entire town in Italy, Patrick? like walk me through how you get to that point. You said you've done eight of these retreats over the last year. You're going to be hosting a retreat where you rented a town in Italy. What in the, how, how, like my question is how.
1: (laughs) Such a, there's, there's new, there's nuances here. I'm sure. Um, I'm trying to be concise. So I had major throat surgery this year. Um, which left me with a lot of time in my house not being able to do much. And I'm
0: seeing a theme here. Uh, I'm seeing a theme here, you know, COVID.
1: I feel trapped and contained. (laughs) That's where I have to burst out of it. And I I was like searching, searching, searching for something. Like I need something to make me feel differently than I do because, you know, medical stuff can bring out about a lot of deep, dark depression. And I found this, um, I don't even remember where it was, this, this travel site that I followed that was like, rent an entire village in medieval Patritoli, Italy. And I was like, where is that? First of all. And second of all, how is this real? <laughs> and I was looking at it and I was like, you get the Palazzo and the mini boutique hotels and the guest houses. And, you know, basically besides the 500 locals who live in the area, everyone in your event has this village. And I was like, whoa, this feels pretty special. Yeah. And I, I sent it to my business partner who thankfully, This is also answering your question. Her personality is very different. I'm the dreamer. I'm the creative one. She's the one who's like, spreadsheet, 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 spreadsheet (laughs) logistics. And that is very helpful for me. And I said, when we're in uh, Europe hosting our Spain retreat in April, should we pop over and try to see if this is worth our while and to see if it's even worth considering doing something like this? Because it feels a bit crazy to say, we're going to rent this entire village and host an international summit. And it was also one of those like, too good to be true things. I kept thinking like, are we going to get there? And it's going to be really run down or like, it's going to be like the movie Hostel, and <laughs> one of us is going to die. Um, I, I just kept thinking of all the things that could possibly derail this like romanticized idea. So sure. we get there. We only spent two days there and two days was more than enough for both of us to be like, yeah, absolutely. Like we're doing this because the woman that, that, that handles all the bookings just basically showed us around the village for two days, introduced us to the locals, took us out to these restaurants that all of our guests will be attending, showcased all of the experiences that they could have. It's absolutely beautiful, like picturesque. I, I can't even describe it. And then to top it off, it's like, oh yeah, and there's an 18th century Baroque theater there where we're going to do all the presentations from. And she was like, you can also hire karaoke to do on the theater. And people are like, <laughs> it, it just felt like such an extraordinary opportunity comparatively to like the cookie cutter summits in the Marriott's or the hotels or whatever Yeah, that felt much more aligned with who I am as a person to travel locally, to get off the beaten path, to have really unique extraordinary experiences that feel like they can be life-changing and once in a lifetime. And I was very fearful, Michael, like a hundred spots. I felt like we were going to be marketing it for an entire year and we also simultaneously released a retreat in Sevilla, Spain and Hania, Greece at the same exact time. And we sold all three of those events out in less than seven days. Gosh, man, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> good, good, good for, for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I I got to ask the question, standing there in that town saying, yeah, I'm going to rent this place. And like, what, what would you want to say to that? Patrick that had the imposter syndrome when you were starting all things private practice, the hearing you say that you you sold out three international events in less than seven days. <laughs> what would you have said to that person? <laughs> those, those just couple of years ago. I think it's
1: so hard to take in sometimes still to this day. I think that yeah. it's just telling that person not to give up and, It's a lot of the whole, like, you can't see the forest for the trees type of mentality. Like, when I left grad school, all I wanted to do was work in community mental health. That's all I knew. Then all I wanted to do was start a private practice. And I figured that was the end point. I started my practice in 2017. And there was never a chance in the world I could imagine myself sitting here talking with you about (laughs) this topic. Like, this just wasn't a thing. I just think it's surreal. I, I think that. You know, for anyone listening who is just thinking like, can this become a reality? Can I create this thing? Dream big, you know, like allow yourself to think outside of the box and to pursue those passion projects because you never know when something is going to turn into something fantastic. And saying yes to opportunities really helps as well instead of saying no to everything that comes your way or or just being really closed minded to things. Building relationships is crucial. But yeah, man, I I have a lot of those pinch me moments of like, when is the, the bottom going to fall out? Um, but I think that that type of humility keeps me grounded too. And I don't ever want to take any of this stuff for granted.
0: So cool. Man, so happy for you and, and your business. And we're so so excited here to be partnered with you on that journey and, and helping you and uh, and your organization. Quick question you said you and your business partner you're kind of like the big ideas dreamer hey let's rent a let's rent a village in Italy uh, and that your business partner was kind of more in the spreadsheets. do you got do you all follow the traction model or the entrepreneurial operating system model or is that just kind of how things set up for you there? It sounds very much like that process that we follow here at the receptionist.
1: Yeah. Uh, our system, our situation just arose because we had coached at one another's retreats, became good friends, realized we have very different personalities that complement yeah. each other very well. And it just turned into a thing where we both kind of went to each other and we're like, do you want to do this together going forward? Because we were <laughs> hosting our own events. And not that I don't love that, but it it is a lot less work when you get to split everything with one person and split <laughs> all the financial obligations with another human human being as well.
0: Makes sense, makes total sense. Well, Patrick, before I ask you the last question here, where can people connect with you and find you and just learn from you, whether it be specifically to private practice stuff or just entrepreneur, your entrepreneurial journey, how can people reach out and connect?
1: Yeah, thanks. So um, everything's pretty easy across the board, all things private practice. That's the podcast is on all major platforms and YouTube. Michael, you've been a guest on there as well. Yeah. Um, there are new episodes out every single week on all major platforms. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at all things private practice. And if you are in the mental health private practice space, you can join all things private practice Facebook group.
0: Beautiful. All right. So last question for you here. This is the fabric and fabric stands for our core values, fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. You've mentioned one, and how deeply impassioned you are about being your authentic self as you show up in all these places and spaces. But what is your what's the most meaningful of those core values to you that I just mentioned? And I'll, I'll say them again: fun, authentic, bold, respectful, innovative, and collaborative. I just want to give my two cents here. Man, the things that you're talking about—if if that's not bold, I don't know what the definition is <laughs> anymore. But what resonates with you the most and why?
1: I agree with you. I I think authenticity to me is the most important piece. Like, I I don't know how, I don't know any other way to be. And I do believe wholeheartedly that by being authentic to your values and and to your personality and, and not straying from that is really has always been my superpower. And I think people are attracted to that. And I think that that has served me well, but I, I love the acronym. I think all of them are relatable, but I really do gravitate towards the authenticity piece.
0: Beautiful. I thought you might say that, but always got to ask the question. <laughs> Patrick, thanks so much, man. Uh, best wishes to you as you, you continue to to succeed and grow your business. And we'll be right there along with you to help you out. So we're, we're super pumped about our partnership moving forward and uh, great to have you on. It's, it's, like I said, a long time coming, but great to have you on great conversation. man. Thanks,
1: Michael. I appreciate it very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the fabric. Our show is hosted by me, Michael Ashford, director of marketing here at the receptionist and produced by our creative manager, James Jordan. If you want to see a video version of the show, jump over to the receptionist.com slash the fabric, where you can watch episodes of all of the content that we've put out on this podcast. You can see our bright, smiling faces, and you can see what our studio looks like as well. If you'd like to give The Receptionist for iPad Visitor Management System a try in your office, jump over to thereceptionist.com slash free trial and give us a test drive for 14 days with no credit card required. See what you think. Until next time, take care.